Here are the highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. Visit freetalklive.com for the full episode. I um, have spent the last 10 years building sort of these platforms and technologies for people. Uh, I'm a left libertarian. Uh, Usually uh, people uh, identify themselves as an anarcho-capitalist. I like to take sometimes of a broader view of what kind of systems can we organize as a society, as a community. Um, And so I I like to build systems technologically that um, help people to self-organize. As I like to say, it's by the people, not just for the people. Mm Because everything we've got is Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Amazon, the state, right? Everything is from top down. So I'm very passionate building bottom up and we can talk about it. But basically I got excited. I started talking about politics, calling into the show a bunch of times. And then before I know it, um, you're building our website. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. Well, uh, the guys uh, talk a lot about how intelligent you are. And so, you know, that's, uh, that speaks well about you. Uh, I believe this is the first time I've met you face to face. Uh, but I've been on the show when you've called in, and so yeah. I, I have that familiarity with you. Um, I like what you're talking about as far as infrastructure is concerned, because one of the things that I think has hindered the freedom movement, the larger freedom movement around the globe, is a lack of infrastructure. You don't have to get to the 100% um, general intelligence artificial general intelligence to be dangerous. We could have deep fakes right now. Yes. That fool people into thinking this politician said that. Yeah, there are some seriously uh, uh the deep fakes that I've seen, I'm like you that's a fake. I yeah. they're getting I'm completely so fooled. good yeah. that there's nothing you can There's do. a there's a Seinfeld skit that they say is done by GPT-3, which is like the earlier generation. There's mm-hmm. now GPT-4. And that one's like it made a pretty nice Seinfeld like joke about cats. Uh and it wasn't written anywhere. It was, they, they went back and they tried to find it. And it's like the closest, like George Collin talking about cats. So that one is like, that one is getting freaky. Yeah. 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 Are you a fan of the television program known as Black Mirror? Yeah. Have, I've seen I've seen the first like every other season thing I see I see the first two seasons and then I just like move on. <laughs> yeah, it's uh the the final season the fourth or was it the fifth season whatever the last season was kind of eh, it was a less than stellar effort from from Brooker but the first two seasons blow me away still even when I watch them today and there's some very accurate things that that they have in there. Uh, one of them, of course, is uh, the. Uh, the lady who's, I don't know, husband, boyfriend, whatever, they're, they're at home and he goes for a drive and, uh, you know, he gets into an accident and dies. And then this AI sort of scours the Internet, collects bits and pieces of data, recreates a personality profile for him and begins communicating with her. I kind of support your concept, your idea. I call it like an enclave scenario where a bunch of people just kind of not take over an area, but let's say congregate an area. And I wonder. How might things be different if everyone, rather than moving to various places in Vermont, I mean, New Hampshire, um, if they congregated around Concord or Keene or Manchester? Well, um, one of the concepts of the Free State Project is to sort of be able to call it hack uh, New Hampshire's legislative uh, system. So there are 400 legislators in the New Hampshire House. That is the third largest 
uh, legislative body in the English-speaking world behind the House of Representatives and the House of Commons. And the idea is is that you have enough free staters in every one of those districts so that you presumably can have um, you know them support liberty-loving candidates in that area and that kind of thing. So to some extent, uh, that's the benefit of New Hampshire being a small state is that uh, you know, if they if they are successful in this, and let's hope that they are, um, because it's the only way they're going to be able to change the constitution of the state of New Hampshire, and that's what needs to be done in order for this to be a long term success. But uh, I think that's the reason why they're not all in one area. Last night you said something that affected me. I am of the Jewish faith. I agree with you wholeheartedly. Judaism is a religion, not an ethnicity. I am of a Sephardic ethnic background. My husband is also Jewish, but of an Ashkenazi ethnic background. Okay. You're pretty sharp about that for a Gentile guy. (laughs) Well, I wouldn't claim to be entirely Gentile. Um, Yeah. Well, and I appreciate you bringing up, you know, what we talked about a bit last night. And I'd like to just mention to our listeners there's a lot of folks that listen to this show that, for whatever reason, you know, can't move, can't join, you know, the Free State Project or the Greater Migration to New Hampshire for Liberty and Freedom. But what can you do where you are? Well, the first thing everybody can do, of course, is start standing up for everybody else. Absolutely. Start, start there speaking out. Lots of ways to express that. Agreed. Who was yes. it that wrote? I think um, when they round out the communists, I didn't speak for them because Re- Reverend Martin Niemeller. Yeah. Um, yes. so, so the the point that I made that Gigi's talking about here, um, uh, Greg, is is that uh, that Jews don't know who Jews are, and if you have a group of people that don't know who they are, how can they truly be an ethnicity? You guys were talking about the intricacies of Judaism, and uh, sort of a. a you know, an extension of something we talked about on last night's program, which was uh, sometimes people confuse uh, Judaism and uh, the Jewish people as either a race or a religion or both. And Greg, you were trying to set us straight on exactly how 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 it is. So, well, I, I like to say it how it is. Yeah. I like to talk how it is, and sometimes. Uh, you know, I, I find it fun. Um, so first of all, yes, Judaism is a religion. Judaism, mm-hmm. uh, just like Christianity is a religion and Islam is a religion. Um, but if have you ever seen on dating sites, you know, you have like Jewish atheist, right? Like Sam Harris, I think, is technically Jewish, right. I think, by his mom. Oh, but he's an atheist. Right. So there's this idea that you're still like there would be. Can you say Christian atheist or Muslim atheist? Yeah. Right? If you say any of the other ones, it doesn't really make sense for some reason. Because there has to be something other than a religion there. And I think there's three things. One is that the prevailing idea now is that once Jewish, always Jewish. Right. So if you're born Jewish, you remain Jewish, even if you switch to another faith or become an atheist. Okay. You could be a Christian Jew. A messianic Jew. There's uh, Jews for Jesus. There are. Right? Secondly. I don't really understand what they're talking about, but they're there. At one point or another, I was, it's probably been several years, it came down through the advertising industry that this is it. Stop putting telephone numbers in ads. Uh, We're past it, and it's just websites now. You know, I don't know who decided or what the consensus was or why, but 
I just followed the way that they do. You're talking to the guy who puts the ads together for Free Talk Live. So, um, Carolyn, know, I, I, I'm going to talk to advertisers about this. When I talk to them about it, I'll I'll, I'll discuss this. With I them. have a question for you. Do you do you yes. have an iPhone or do you have an Android phone? I have a smartphone. A smartphone from and Google. All, the only thing I know how to do is to is to uh, text, and I just learned to text this last year because my daughter had her third episode of cancer and passed away December 29th. Mm. And her last year, uh, we we text a lot, and 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 to call someone. That that's basically all I use my phone for. It helps. Every now and then, I'll use Google. But usually it doesn't do me any good. I, I just wanted to tell you, these phones, they have a voice interface. If you can ask someone in your family or your friends to help you set it up, it has, it can read what's in front of, uh, on the screen to you. Uh, I have on my phone right now, I can swipe down with two fingers and read anything on the page. That's number one. I wanted to get your opinion, Greg, on a thing that I think is going to happen. I feel like humanity is going to have a schism, a, a division, if you will. And this is the division that I think is going to yeah, happen. More locks than the Eloy? Um, hmm, ish. It's, uh, I, what I think is there's going to be two different portions of humanity. We're going to have the, like right now, there's uh, human beings who augment themselves with technology. And there's human beings who don't. And so I, I would think, definitely be in the former category. I like um, early adopting stuff. I I do too, but I'm mean talking like about sexual technology. I'm talking about like <laughs> I hadn't thought about I'm that. talking about like combining the human uh, physical being with technology, right? So not just hey, I got the newest computer or my cell phone's the you know number one, the fastest thing ever. No, I'm talking about people who like augment themselves. So that is to say, sort of a, a marriage between a technological, a cyborg, if you will, uh, versus uh, you know a natural human. And so the way I see it is I think that at some point humanity is going to have people who augment themselves with technology and these people will become sort of the space travelers. And then there will be people who don't do that, who sort of stay on Earth. And I think that's that's the schism that I kind of see in my head. Now, I am a science fiction fan, so this really isn't that new of an idea. Um, you could go to the... You'd have to augment yourself like, to travel in space. Basically, we are not space monkeys. Animals are making it in Chernobyl right now, so yeah. we, we don't really know what would happen if uh, if people had stayed. If animals can do it, I'm pretty sure humans could. Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that particular type of animal can do it, too. You know. <laughs> well, and there's already uh, existing technology. Uh, they I think they're called the BCI, the brain-computer interface. There's different versions of this. The most common one is one you'll see at, like, doctor's offices. They put this net looking thing on your head and you know uh it'll evaluate like facial expressions and try to learn like what you mean by a facial expression and interpret that so that uh it can like people who have no hands and oh, they can mute, read your brain waves they can read your brain waves and you can actually control a computer just by wearing this bci interface you don't have to grab a mouse or anything you can just think about where you want the mouse to go and this thing wow. on your head knows like oh to the right to the left up down click double click it knows these things based on your the muscles in your face and your head and what they do and it reads that and then it directs it to do the appropriate well, look, things uh, elon musk talks about the the brain computer interface as being the bottleneck you know not the brain the, the interface is too slow he says look uh agreed but here's the thing you know science fiction have you seen the borg yes right? yes okay. this is the thing resistance is futile well in in a way it's already <laughs> happening i mean 
A lot of people, okay, so the skills were, you know, work on the farm. That got automated, right? And the Great Depression was partly caused by so much automation that there was so much food rotting in the fields. And, you know, there's books about how they migrated to the cities. It always had bothered me that Ian bought LRN.FM for Mm -hmm. Liberty Radio Network, but didn't buy FTL.FM for Free Talk Live. Was Free Talk Live.FM not available? I mean, I like FTL because it's shorter. I pres- I don't have any idea. I okay. didn't All look right. for it. That's fine. I just like FTL.FM. Sure. And so at some point in the past, I took a look. There it was. I bought it, and I held on to it. Okay. Greg rolled out his uh, new version of freetalklive.com. It was at new.freetalklive.com. Right. I think it still is there. But, uh, you know, I felt like it wasn't getting a fair shake. So I decided to point FTL.FM at his site so now you can go and and i think this is really great because ian has a site where he can do his announcements and his blog posts and things like that and we also have a listener more listener oriented site now it's new and it needs a little work you the listener probably should go there and check it out it's not ready for every functionality for instance you can't call in tonight on the website but that's the idea this is uh it was caroline who called in earlier tonight carolyn carolyn excuse me uh carolyn was uh you know frustrated that she couldn't make telephone calls to things well i'm frustrated that you can't just go on the internet and talk to the hosts of free talk live i want people to be able to host the show from around the world so a lot of the stuff that starts out top down you know i started my startup top down everybody starts top down but eventually it gets bigger than you Mm. and the idea is do you want free talk live to be a show Or could it also be a movement, a movement about liberty? Can it have local chapters? Can people take their own little sub show or whatever if they earn enough credits in the system? Uh, You know what I mean? If it's a movement, it can affect change. Like we're trying to affect change in New Hampshire. Why not around the world? Agreed. That's that's what I see the site doing. So a website, we think of it as like a top down, like here's the people, here's the hosts, and this is the info that you can get in one direction, right? I'm more interested in, you can go on on the site. So if you're listening, right, you can literally go to ftl.fm, right? And you can listen right now to the live show. Mm-hmm. You can hear all the episodes that happened, right? Scroll through them. You'll be able to search in the future and so on. But more importantly, you can find other people that share interests, right? Like, you, you might be an agorist. You might be a left libertarian. You might be an anarcho-capitalist. Who knows? There's people in your area who might go out to lunch with you, and, um, and and next thing you know, you're forming a little chapter of the movement. That you you can right now. You can't call into the show, but you can video conference people right now on the site. You That's can awesome. chat with people about right now about this episode as we're doing it on the site. So that one old girl, I just want to touch real quick on her. The one that had a problem with there being no phone numbers to call anymore. If you got a problem, yep, yep. Carolyn? Well, you remember for about 20, 15 years, if there was a customer service line, it would be Habib or Rakim and may I please help you? And then there was about five, 10 years where, you know, my name is Stephen. May I help you? I am Michael. 
But it all came from Pakistan or, you know, India or whatever. Yep. Still, yep. still uh, is. It can be very frustrating extent. when you uh, just can't understand what's being said. You know, sometimes you can't turn up the audio on phones a lot of times and you just can't understand what's being said. I, I'm sure those people are trying their very level best yep. to speak English. But uh, in some well, cases, probably, it, yeah. I mean, it's, it's got to be their second language, at least, if not third, you yeah. know, but uh, it's just frustrating when you can't talk to a person that can talk back responsibly and properly. So here's yeah. one thing I've wondered is uh, let's talk about Jamaica for a second. So this is an English speaking no, island, <laughs> but they're they, they've got a dialect. It's, it's they sound different than, say, an American does. Yeah, Americans have dialects, too. I'm kind of curious, why don't we just run a fiber cable to Jamaica, surely there's one already there, and use them for uh, so much of this phone work? Crypto is based on blockchain, Mm -hmm. and blockchain is one of the only technologies that I know that promises to become slower and more expensive with time. What I mean by that is blockchain is a chain of blocks, and uh, those blocks are finite in size. And so, like, Roger Ver supported uh, increasing the block size, for example. Uh, But it's still a finite block size, and people compete for that block size. So as more people join the network, there's a bottleneck, and that's why we speak about how many transactions per second. We don't say that about HTTP protocol, which is how many websites can HTTP support per second, or how many emails can SMTP support. The thing is that there's a bottleneck somewhere, and that bottleneck is the blockchain. There's going to be other technologies out there that will make crypto mainstream, that will help people to vote and do all kinds of smart contracts. And, you know, it will be really cool. Agreed. But for the meantime, most technologies, though, do become faster, cheaper over time. So voice over IP Mm -hmm. literally took the cost of $3 per minute international calls and Skype took them like to zero. Right. Right. And Skype is made by the Kazaa guys, I think, or the people who made the peer to peer, and there was BitTorrent, right? And all this stuff. My point is look at that from $3 a minute to zero. Right. Right. And the same thing has happened with like desktop printing and you know, blogs and everything else. So I think technology does make things more efficient mm-hmm. and it lets one person do the job of 10. You had talked about uh, the progress of digital technology. And uh, are you familiar with Andreas Antonopoulos, or have you heard his name? Uh, he wrote a book on, on Bitcoin and uh, sure. Ethereum and that kind of thing. Uh, Probably I've, the most articulate voice in cryptocurrency. Yeah, I've watched a mm. bunch of his YouTube videos like from way back in the day. He really influenced me as far as my way of thinking. He talks about something that happened in telephony called the inversion. So originally telephones were all over copper wire. You'd have a landline put into your house and the dial thing and the numbers on the touchpad and that kind of thing. And then the internet came along. Uh, Something called fiber came along, digital technology now. Mm -hmm. And so then at first, there were only little tiny sections of fiber. DSL. Yeah. And so the copper had to interact with the fiber. And so the telephone service... You know, the Internet first ran over the telephone service, but now telephone service runs over the Internet. Yeah. Right. So that has completely inverted so much so that they had to invent something called a comfort tone because digital technology is so pure that when you would make a call from a digital phone to another digital phone and nobody said anything, the human mind wants to go, are you there? Because 
on the copper service, you would hear just the slightest bit of just a hiss. Yeah. The inversion continues, right? It's not just, uh, you know, telephony. Like if you look at the Internet and it sort of took over a couple of things, it took over telephones, it took over uh, newspapers. Oh, well, yeah, right? the stock the, market, you don't have the people in the pit anymore, right? You've got the, what is it now? It's all digital. Right. Yeah. You know? And yeah, then the, you got to emulate what had been there before. Right. You still have the zero, zero, what is it, 16 uh, digits? or uh, six, 16, six, yeah. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so the inversion continues with what we're, we've been talking about a little bit tonight, the blockchain uh, and cryptocurrency, right? People call it right now, oh, that's internet money, magic internet money. No, 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 it's not. And Andreas Antonopoulos is very, very persistent in pointing this out. It is the internet of money. Right, So all of the changes that we've seen the Internet do to our regular stuff, newspapers, television, communications, all that kind of stuff, it's disrupted all these things. The blockchain, Bitcoin, all, all the cryptocurrencies are going to continue to do all of that to money. So it's, it's programmable. Right. And computers do this in general. Computers have, computers have replaced your uh, pretty much everything, you know, used to make those flyers yourself, right? Copy and paste. Now you copy and paste on your computer. Uh, you used to have, now you have blogs with keywords. You could just follow a keyword and you get all the news delivered to you. Bitcoin's the granddaddy. It was based on blockchain. Yeah. It solved the double spend problem, but it did it in a very, very brute force way. It said, let's take all transactions in the world that happened in the last 10 minutes. Let's gather them in one place, which is called the miner, Actually, it's worse than that. It's gathered to and every miner. We right. don't know which miner is going to solve the, the, the thing. It's a lottery. So, so everyone sends everything to everyone for 10 minutes, and then the miners, one of them seals the envelope, so to speak, with that magic number. Right. And so that is a bottleneck, the miner, and that's why a lot of the industry has focused on applications which are slow, once in a while transactions, because as soon as everyone tries to do those transactions, we see what we happened in 2017 with Ethereum. Yeah. You know, or this year with Polygon with Sunflower game is like took over the blockchain. We're going to have, it's like computers had vacuum tubes powering them and now they have digital transistors. It's the same software will still be there and everything will still be there. Smart mm -hmm. contracts will be there, but it won't be powered by blockchain. It'll be powered by other things. And, um, could be intercloud, or it could be Hashgraph, or it could be IOTA. There's a million things being developed. Um, it's just blockchain was first. Unfortunately, it also led to what is essentially people investing, hoping somebody else will then buy, pay more, the, the greater full sort of thing. One of the things that systems of the state miss out on, right, uh, even people with the most noble of intentions, when they go into statism and they, you know, get elected or they become part of somebody's, you know, regime or whatever, and they try to do things uh, that benefit humanity, they fail because they don't get the incentive right. right? Human beings are incentive-based creatures. We respond positively to incentives. You want to see something innovative? Provide the right incentive, and that's what cryptocurrency has done. People love value, whether it's a, a value in a transaction, whether it's the value of money, whether it's the value of relationships, whether it's the value of communication, whatever that is. Human beings love value. So the one and thing they love arguing about what is valuable. Well, by okay. the way, this might require its own segment, but I just want to say 
the value actually comes from I I had to take a crash course on all this economics and sociological stuff and I interviewed Noam Chomsky I interviewed uh people actually Mark I might interview um well I'll, I'll say later uh here's the idea is that value comes a lot of it from the network effect from the mass adoption of so like Facebook yeah. Facebook wasn't valuable when two people in Harvard used it right what do you do I have two profiles but if Half of Harvard is on Facebook. I can look up a lot of people's profiles. And then you add chat, and then you add payments, and then you add, you know, all kinds of things. When I'm trying to explain cryptocurrency to somebody who isn't, well, even as tech-savvy as I am, and I'm probably, I don't know, for my age, I'm above average, but, I, you know, kids today, uh, I don't know. But I explain it like this. You understand music, right? And generally people go, yeah, I, you know, I listen to stuff. I played a little, you know, oboe in high school or whatever, right? And I go, you understand that music is a language of expression of emotion, right? And they're like, yeah, absolutely it is. Oh, I get so worked up when my favorite song is this or my favorite artist is that. And it just it's makes me feel so good. the closest thing to magic that we have. Right. And so I say, well, all cryptocurrency is is a language, much like music, but instead of expressing emotion, you're expressing value. Sure. All it is. And it that that's it. And like people are like, but but isn't it yeah, it is several technologies wrapped together. It's a an advancement in keeping of records, basically, right? Like in a in a layman's yeah. term, right? They've just added one third you know, a third well, uh, pillar one, to it. That's one application of it. So digital ledger technology. They use the word ledger because that's what it started with Bitcoin and money transactions. Right. Uh, ledger still implies a linear ledger, like, you know, like a blockchain or, or whatever. Normally, what, what's going to happen, in my opinion, and like other people's opinion, is that it's going to happen all at once. Like, websites are being served concurrently. There used to be something that would happen in communities prior to states ruling over everybody. And these would be spontaneous things. Um, a community needs a bridge built. A community would get together amongst everybody and go, hey, uh, we want to build a bridge. And so, they, you know, if you couldn't afford to chip in, you didn't. But if you could, you did. And you thought it was a good idea. And everybody sort of voluntarily gave, you know, the appropriate amount and pitched in. The, you know, if you couldn't give money, you'd pitch in time or whatever it is. And the bridge got built sort of spontaneously, if you will, if that's I mean, it took time, obviously, to do it, but the, the community would get together yeah. and they would build this bridge. And then when they were done building the bridge, they would go back to whatever it is they did before this bridge needed to be built. And I see what you're talking. I see this sort of returning the ability for communities to decide to do a thing, get it done voluntarily within the community without needing to go through 13 levels of bureaucracy and lobby the right guy and vote in this guy and vote out that guy and all that kind of thing where they can just get together, everybody voluntarily does it, you get permission from everybody where you're going to do it, and boom, it's done. That's the beauty with with crypto is that in the future with smart contracts, you could self-organize in so many different ways. You could build that bridge and then you can allocate to each person depending on their contribution. Um, you can do it a uh, capitalism way. You can just like, uh, raise money ahead of time and the, people take the risk and then and, and the reward. But all of that could be done in a digital way. You just heard highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. You can download full episodes, subscribe to our podcast, listen live and more, all for free at freetalklive.com.